0: what's going on guys so we are about to get into every single game on the Sunday slate for the week six and uh break them all down give you the predictions and all that stuff and uh, along with how that fares with the against the spread over under blah 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 all that all right so first game is the Chicago Bears at the Carolina Panthers Panthers are one point favorites um over under is 44 and a half so This is um, surprisingly going to be a really good game, or at least on paper it's shaping up to be because my Carolina Panthers, who I have just kind of regretfully uh, bashed on from from basically all offseason until now, have just proven to be a much better team than I gave them credit for. So, hey, I'm happy with that. I've already touched on this. Matt Rule has done a fantastic job. And just with the way they play they don't allow bad things to happen to them. Like it's, and it's on offense and defensive side of the ball. Like they don't, they don't allow like those catastrophic, like, Oh no, like horrible things to happen. What they do is on defense, they don't, they know they can't get pressure consistently as a pass rushing group. So they're just like, and they know they can't stop the run. So they're like, okay, but we also know that everybody loves to pass the ball in this league. So, we're just gonna basically drop seven guys at minimum <laughs> into coverage on every single play um, and play a I guess it's a soft zone, but it's but it's an aggressively soft zone. So they're in other words, they're not gonna let anything get behind them deep, but when you catch it short, they're gonna get their asses to the ball and make the tackle. so and they've gotten a lot better in that regard in terms of just tackling lately. so, um that's kind of what they do on defense and then offensively they don't allow anyone to pressure teddy he he is the third fewest pressured quarterback in the nfl right now with just 13.8 percent of his dropbacks, and um their receivers are really good so they give him the ball quickly uh there's not a ton of deep deep passing but there is and they will do it when when it's uh when it comes about when the opportunity comes and so like they're just they just run the ball effectively that Everything they're doing is just simple stuff, but it's very well-timed in terms of the play calling and coaching. And um, the degree of difficulty for everything is not high, but again, it's effective, right? So here's the interesting part about the Chicago Bears matchup this week. So Chicago is... um, what Chicago is the type of passing attack that wants to kind of push the ball deep. They don't, they don't rely on, they're not one of these offenses that relies on a bunch of yards after the catch and things like that. Like, so they're, they're going to push it down the field, which is why I thought that uh, last week's matchup against the Buccaneers would be rough for them because they, uh, the Buccaneers are going to blitz the hell out of you and they're going to get a ton of pressure. So even though I did say there would be opportunities for them down the field a few times, I also said, that they would have a pretty hard time holding up um, against that tampa bay pass rush so the good news for chicago is this week carolina does not really possess a pass rush at all but the bad news for them is if you if you're not going to be patient you're not going to just take what's given against this panther defense then you're going to have a very difficult time coming away with uh consistent points and that's just what we've seen in in what is true so Um, I really like the matchup of the Carolina receivers against the Chicago Corners. Um, Robbie Anderson has been out of his mind. He's had 99 or more yards in four of the five games played so far. And over the last two weeks, he's seen 23 targets and he's caught 16 of them for 211 yards. I think he'll mainly be matched up with Jalen Johnson. And I just think that because of the size, Jalen's a little bit bigger than uh, Kendall Fuller or Kyle Fuller, whatever. Um, And I like that matchup for Robbie Anderson, actually. I think he's pretty much – look, let me make my position very clear on Robbie. He is not going to slow down. I mean, he might have the occasional four-catch for 40-yard game, maybe once or twice more the rest of the season. But for the most part, this dude is being taken – his skill set that we we didn't know it was a complete skill set, but it is – is being fully taken advantage of by this Panther staff. And um, he's a really good football player. Like, he looks like an elite receiver right now. It's pretty crazy. So I think that that's a tough matchup for the rookie, even though Jalen Johnson's playing great, um, having a really great rookie season. I think that's very, very difficult. So uh, a difficult ask. And I also think DJ Moore against, against Fuller will be very interesting. And then on the flip side of it, You've got these chicago receivers right you've got darnell mooney who's a who's a game-breaking speed kind of guy uh field stretcher and he'll probably see a lot of uh, dante jackson assuming dante plays and then we'll also see alan robinson who's been absolutely balling himself averaging nine catches for 105 yards and uh 0.7 touchdowns per game over each over the last three games he'll see a lot of Rasul Douglas, which actually makes things more difficult than you might imagine. Because Rasul Douglas, you think about him like a third round pick a couple years ago that was cut by the Eagles. Yes, that's true. Uh, It was cut right before the season by the Eagles, but Douglas is a guy that I really, really liked coming into that draft. And um, he is 6'2", 210 pounds with arms almost 33 inches long. And when you look at his combine testing, he ran a sub seven three cone at six point nine seven, which kind of speaks to his agility. And at that size and length as a corner um, and as we've already discussed with this Panther scheme, that's not going to really man you up and, and be super ultra aggressive. It's it's going to be hard for, uh, you know, for Alan Robinson to get behind Russell Douglas. So I would expect something for Robinson along the lines of like six catches for 60 yards, six catches for 50 yards, something like that. But I don't think he's going to have a huge day like, he, like he's like he been having. Um, that's just kind of by design of the scheme and because I actually think Russell Douglas is a good football player. Mm. Sorry, guys. Um, okay, so when targeted this year, Douglas is allowed a 65% completion percentage and, um, Just 6.1 yards a target, zero touchdowns, a quarterback rating of 81.5. So it's been solid, right? Um, Where Okay, there is one place that Chicago has a clear advantage, and that is with their running game against this Panthers, not very good run defense. So Carolina allows the eighth most rushing yards per game, and more importantly, they allow the second most yards per carry at almost 5.5, 5.4 yards per carry. If Chicago stays with the run game, which we have not really seen Nagy do very often, then they'll have a very good chance to win because I don't think Carolina is going to get many stops if that happens. But if they don't and they, you know, come out and just want to push the ball down the field, it's it's going to be like trying to jam a round peg in a square hole or whatever that expression is. <laughs> but point is, this game will likely be decided on how disciplined Matt Nagy is on and how. How uh, committed to the run game he is, because I know Nick Foles is is uh, you know a at least that you would say for now an upgrade over Trubisky, and so Nagy might be all excited wanting to pass the ball, but I'm telling you now that's a recipe for disaster because it won't work consistently. You won't. You're not going to just bully this Carolina team in the uh if you're going to just try and pass it against them every play, you're not, it's not going to end that well for you. They're just, they're just not going to allow a lot of, of uh, big plays. I mean, almost none. So in their third best team in terms of yards per pass attempt in, uh, in the NFL. So my official prediction in this one is that the Carolina Panthers win. Look, I think they win 24 to 17. I think it'll be a, a game very similar to what we saw from Carolina against Atlanta last week, where it was just, Pretty much after Atlanta went up 7-0, I believe, Carolina pretty much took over the game from then on and just didn't allow any big plays and consistently move the ball offensively. So I think we'll see a similar thing this week. Um, I do have a lot more respect for the Bears than I do the Falcons. I'm just saying I, I don't think the Bears are going to line up and punch the Panthers in the mouth with the run game down in and down out like they should and and if they don't do that i really don't think they can move the ball consistently against this panthers defense so um, i'm taking the panthers uh detroit at jacksonville's next on our list here the lions are three and a half point road favorites the over under is 54 and a half so detroit has allowed the 11th fewest pressures and a league low six hurries only right? So Stafford's not been, been getting pressured that often, but here's the difference in pressures and sacks. Stafford has been sacked one every 11 pass attempts, which is not very good. So that's kind of on him. You know, that just means, hey, you're not under a bunch of pressure. You need to get rid of the ball. Um, the good thing is Jacksonville has tied for the fewest sacks in the NFL and the six fewest hurries in the, in the NFL. So this team is is not one that's going to be necessarily all over Matt Stafford from a uh, pass rush standpoint. <clears throat> um, but when you look at the Jaguar defense overall, they've allowed 30 or more points in four consecutive games. Tennessee scored 33, Miami scored 31, Cincinnati scored 33, and Houston scored 30. So that's not very good. And then you and then you really look really look in, into it, and you see that they're only scoring. 17 points per game over their last three games. So it's you know that's kind of tells you. um, Unfortunately, even though Minshew had another 300 yard game last week, I believe they they haven't been getting points as of late. So, um, but James Robinson in this game, at least on paper, should have a big game, right? Because Detroit is the worst run defense in the league from a yards per game standpoint. With they allow 170. And they also allow over 5.2 yards per carry. Uh, And James Robinson is a physical, strong dude. I always pre-draft this year, even though he got undrafted or he went undrafted, I called him a poor man's Ezekiel Elliott just in uh, in his style and the fact that I really felt he could be a starting running back, and he's doing that so far. So Robinson averages the 10th most yards after contact in Detroit misses almost 10 tackles a game. So that's something to watch. Robinson could have a huge game. Um, Gardner Minshew's being sacked one every 11 pass attempts despite uh, being pressured the 12th fewest, and Detroit is generating the fewest sacks and the fewest pressures. So um, if Gardner takes more sacks in this one, that's just – at this point, it's safe to say that's probably Gardner Minshew's biggest weakness, just the fact that he's taking way too many sacks considering the amount of pressure that he's under he's not i mean jacksonville's doing a pretty good job of of keeping him clean so here's the one stat that kind of really should worry you if you're a jaguars fan jacksonville allows a league worst 8.8 yards per pass attempt and and the fifth most passing touchdown so when you just look at it like that right and in each of these teams i mean detroit allows 31.7 points per game jacksonville allows 29.4 but when you look at the fact that you'd have to say the lions have the better quarterback, right? And each defense is not very good. So, you know, from just on that standpoint alone and uh, yeah, just from, just from kind of that alone, you're going to lean to go with the, with the uh, Detroit lions, especially when you consider that Jacksonville has lost four straight games after a win against the Colts incredibly enough to start the season. So I'm taking the Detroit Lions to win this one, 30 to 27. That is not going to be enough to cover, but it will be enough for the over. So next on the list here is the Texans at the Titans. Tennessee is a three and a half point favorite, uh, over-under is 53. So the Texans have yet to record an interception on the season. Ryan Tannehill has thrown just one interception in 132 pass attempts this year. Tannehill's been sacked a league low three times. That's one every 44 pass attempts. And he's pressured 14th fewest in the NFL. So um, neither and Houston is not a team that gets pressure. They're like 25th in the NFL in a pressure percentage, but they do get sacks. They're seventh in the NFL in sacks with 14. So, I mean, that just goes to what I always talk about. Pressures are are not always indicative of future sacks because you need to have the ability to finish, and we know J.J. Watt and guys like that on this Texans team can finish. So that's uh, something to monitor: is how clean are the pockets going to be for Ryan Tannehill all day long? Um, Houston, <clears throat> Houston has uh, okay. Both run defenses are bad, not just Houston's, but Houston's give up the second most run yard, rush yards per game at 160.4 and Tennessee has given up the sixth most at 148.3. So, and the Titans allow a league-worst 5.5 yards per carry. Houston's allowing 4.7, so um, when you look at it, you think on paper, well, that should mean Derrick Henry should have a huge day, but Henry is averaging just 3.7 yards a carry on the season, and against Houston, okay, so when I read you these numbers overall, against Houston, he went crazy last season. He had 53 carries for 297 yards and three touchdowns. But if you guys remember, Houston didn't play most of their starters in that second one. It was the last game of the season. And that's the one where Henry like went crazy, crazy. Uh, but the first game, he just had 21 carries for 86 yards, no touchdowns. So so that's something to consider is that maybe um, Henry won't go completely insane. Who knows? Uh, David Johnson is a guy that's been trending up for a couple of weeks now. And and he's, I mean, it, again, on paper, he looks like a guy that could be in for a big game. Over the last two games, David Johnson has 37 touches for 195 yards. So um, that's solid. And uh, Deshaun Watson has also been trending up over the past few weeks. So Past three weeks for Watson, 67% completion percentage, averaging over 300 yards a game passing, almost 10 yards per pass attempt, and seven touchdowns. So I think, from my prediction, I think the Titans are going to have a letdown game after a big win against the great Bills team. That They're going to come out on a short week and have a letdown win, uh, a letdown game. Why? Because I don't think they'll be able to get consistent pressure on Deshaun Watson, And I don't think they'll be able to stop the run game of David Johnson mainly. And I think it costs them. Texans win 31-27. It's a flat-out Texans win, so that's an upset. Um, All right, Washington football team at the New York Giants. Um, Giants are three-point favorites, Over/unders 43. So both defenses stop the run. Both defenses are are good overall units, right? The Giants are fifth in yards per carry allowed at 3.7, and Washington is 11th at 4.2. Guys, Daniel Jones hasn't thrown a t- hasn't scored a touchdown in four consecutive games. That's awful. In those four games, he's completed 60.3% of his passes. He's averaged 208 yards a game through the air, 5.9 yards per pass attempt, and he's turned the ball over six times, three interceptions, three fumbles. In spite of all that, the Giants are coming up back-to-back very close games against the Cowboys and the Rams, where they were right there in it to the very last second. Um, Yeah, I mean, that that's impressive. And they've averaged just 15. I'm sorry. Yeah, so <clears throat> the Giants offense is seriously holding them back, right? Like, they are just not... Able to score points consistently. Um, you come out week one. Darius Slayton has a big game against Pittsburgh, and you kind of are feeling pretty, you know, optimistic about the Giants' offense, right? Because that was a, a game where it was totally acceptable to lose in in that regard, in that way to Pittsburgh because they have a great defense. But then we've just seen basically, I mean, it got worse and worse and worse for this Giants' offense. So I think Daniel Jones will have a decent game in this one. Right. Washington, we have to remember, has lost four straight games by at least two scores, and they've averaged 15.5 points per game in those games. Now, Kyle Allen is starting Um, that that's been announced. He is going to start this week. So that that matters. Um, But I still think this Giants defense is good enough to hold Kyle Allen to less points than their offense can muster up think the Giants win 24 to 20. All right. That would be the over, just barely. And that'd be a Giants cover, just barely. All right. Browns at Steelers. One of my favorite games of this week, actually. Pittsburgh's a three and a half point favorite. over fifty-one and 51 and a half. Um, <clears throat> here's the big problem for the Browns. The Browns, strength of their offense is most definitely their running game. I mean, they are first in yards after contact, first in yards, first in first downs, second in touchdowns, and second in yards per carry. So they've been awesome as a run football team. But the Pittsburgh Steelers are second in yards allowed on the ground. And they're also second in yards per carry allowed at just 3.3. So Cleveland um, is gonna have to move the ball through the air against this disgustingly good Pittsburgh defense. Now, I do think there will be opportunities for big plays because, look, Pittsburgh's blitzing like I think it's almost fifty percent of the time. Still, that's insane. You know that that that's not a. It's I mean it's a little bit too much in my opinion. Just a little bit too much, but. Um, the Steelers are tied for third in interceptions with six. And they uh, the Cleveland Browns have thrown four interceptions. But the Cleveland Browns also lead the NFL in turnover margin. So I think ultimately it's just going to come down to the fact that Cleveland is going to have to do a lot of their damage through the air. And I think that's ultimately going to lead to some Baker Mayfield interceptions and some mistakes. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an ugly one. Ugly, ugly, but for me, it's, these are the t- kinds of games I love. But I think it'll be an ugly 24-16 to 16, um, Steelers victory. So that would be the under and a cover for Pittsburgh. All right, Ravens at Eagles. Baltimore is an eight-point road favorite in this one. Over-under is 48, so... Um, <clears throat> The reason why I think that over, I mean that uh, eight points is a little much, is because Philadelphia can most definitely stop the run, which makes this game very interesting, right? So, Philly is eighth in yards per carry allowed at just 3.9, and Baltimore actually has the sixth best run defense in that regard at 3.7 yards per carry allowed. So, um, if Philly can stop the run, then you look at Lamar Jackson's being pressured on almost 25% of his dropbacks this year, whereas last year he was pressured just 16.2% of the time. So almost 9% higher of a pressure rate Lamar is facing this year. And in a game, I'm not saying Philly is going to completely shut down this Ravens run game, but if they were to, that would mean that this is a game where against a very tenacious front and pass rush of the Eagles, where Lamar Jackson is going to have to um, beat them all with his arms. So I think that's a tough, tough ask. But I, I ultimately think that <clears throat> Baltimore, sort of the same thing I'm saying about Pittsburgh, Baltimore and, and the Giants over the Washington football team, they, they're just going to score more points than Philly can score against them. So I think they win 20-17. to 17, But I like Philly to cover that one. So, uh, And that's also another under. You know me and the unders. I'm pretty much all about those unders. All right, Cincinnati at Indianapolis. So the Colts are eight-point favorites. Now, see, look, this is fine, right? The Colts are home eight-point favorites over the Bengals. But why wouldn't you say it's a little bit of a difference between the Ravens and the Eagles in Philadelphia versus the Bengals and Colts in Indianapolis? I mean, come on. You got Joe Burrow, who's coming off the worst game of his life against a team with a great pass rush. Well, guess what? the Indianapolis Colts have an even better pass rush and they don't even blitz. So there's not going to be like people running open ever against this team. So that's scary. If you are a um, Bengals fan and, you know, I'm not trying to sit here and bash Joe Burrow, but I said this in my pre in one of my podcasts yesterday, but this podcast, unfortunately had to delete it because it didn't come out with any sound. It was just a bunch of static. But the point I was making is, what would we have been saying if Joe Burrow had the I'm sorry, if Justin Herbert had the performance that Joe Burrow had last week, we would literally all be saying how awful Justin Herbert is, and you know, it doesn't matter he's a rookie it it's just that he's awful period. That's pretty much what most people would be saying, but Joe Burrow scores three points and throws one of the ugliest interceptions you've ever seen where he just literally threw it over the middle of the field, like with no regard of what was even going on. Cause he was so confused. And like I said, I'm not trying to bash Joe Burrow, but what I'm saying is for that, for that same team to now be going in, into Indianapolis, a team that's with a very ferocious defense and to only be an eight point underdog speaks to the level of, fandom slash respect that the Vegas odds makers have for Joe Burrow or just for the for the simple fact that a lot of teams are taking Cincinnati and they've kind of um, that's lowered the spread. To me, I feel very comfortable taking the Colts in this one, even with the eight points. Um, Indianapolis's defensive line will be an issue for what is not a very good Cincinnati offensive line. Indianapolis's offensive line will also be an issue for what is not a very good Cincinnati defensive line. Um, Cincinnati is 28th in pressure rate and their 23rd in sacks. They also miss the 8th most tackles in the NFL. Um, so I'm looking for an Indianapolis win. I think it'll be a big day from Jonathan Taylor. I'm thinking 27-17 Colts. That's good for a Colts cover and the under. All right. All um, right. Denver and again, uh, Denver at New England. See, the Patriots are nine and a half point favorites here, and and that I'm that's a little bit high, but I'm fine with it. Again, I think that's what the the Colts game should be more something like that. But um look, I think New England is one of the best run teams in the NFL. Denver is actually really good against the run, so that's a key matchup to look at, look at there. Denver miss has missed the second fewest tackles of anybody in the NFL. New England's missed the fewest, um, so from that from that regard, that Cam Newton in the run game will be very interesting to see how Denver is able to hold up against that. Um, <clears throat> so the another interesting part of this matchup is the fact the Patriots have allowed some pressure on Cam, ninth most, as a matter of fact, in, at 25% rate. And Denver is generating the 10th most pressures by percentage, but they're just 18th in sacks. That's what happens when you lose a great player like Von Miller. The Jets actually do take the ball away at a pretty um, impactful rate, 11th most takeaways in the NFL. But Miami also is a team that doesn't give the ball away very often, even though Fitzpatrick threw three picks in the opener. He has since really calmed it down. And the Miami Dolphins are playing good football and do not rule them out of the seven seed wild card in this year's playoffs. So, I just don't think that this team's going to allow themselves to slip on the banana peel here heading into this game against the Jets. I think they're going to make sure they get the win because to be a good team, you also have to beat teams consistently that you should beat. So, Dolphins thirty-one, Jets seventeen. That's actually an over and a Dolphins cover. All right everyone's favorite game of this week probably the green bay packers at the tampa bay buccaneers the packers are one and a half point favorites on the road so you got tom brady as a home underdog and the over under is 55.5 so you've got aaron Rodgers going in to take on the goat um look man i'll just address this right off the bat and i mean this in a serious way like Jamal Williams, for you to come out and basically make fun of Tom Brady and in a way where you are basically comparing him to Aaron Rodgers and, and saying how Rodgers is better, I, this may sound childish or whatever, but you better be careful, man. You, this, you're playing Tom Brady, who is a literal psycho competitor you don't need to give him any more of that type of uh, juice to bring into this game, which is a pretty much a going to feel like a must win game for the Buccaneers anyways. So, um, you know, I tweet, I, I posted on Instagram when I saw that Brady by 50 and obviously the, the 50 part of that was a joke, but man, oh man, the Brady part of it was, and I'm taking the bucks in this game. Let me tell you why. So, First of all, we have to give kudos to both of these offensive lines. They protect the hell out of their quarterbacks. Rodgers is the fewest pressured quarterback in the NFL at just 12.3%. Brady is the fourth fewest pressured quarterback at 15.5%. And I know Brady was pressured a lot last week, but going into that game, Brady was the, I believe, second fewest pressured going into that one against the Bears last week. And that was just a fact, simple fact that his rookie, um, right tackle I believe has been playing great Tristan Wirfs just wasn't ready to uh defend I mean it wasn't ready to pass protect against Khalil Mack and there's really no shame in that it's not a big deal people should not be panicking like they are I've seen people be like oh Tristan Wirfs should be should we be worried about him no he had a bad game he's a rookie Jesus it's like his what fourth start ever against Khalil Mack yeah so don't worry about that um Tampa's run defense is awesome. First in the league in yards and yards per carry allowed. They allow 58 yards a game on the ground, just 2.7 yards per carry. Now, we do have to consider that Vita Vey, one of my favorite players in the NFL, is out for the season with an ankle injury. Um, I believe it's an ankle, but he's out for the season. I know that much. So that's discouraging, right? And that will definitely affect the run defense in particular. And Aaron Jones is a guy that's averaging 5.8 yards per carry for the season. So that is a matchup that's very interesting because basically the way I look at it, I still believe that this Buccaneers defense can at least pretty well represent themselves and contain this Packers rushing offense, which is a very good rushing offense. And um, it's actually very similar stylistically to the matchup um, of the Browns against the Steelers over there on the AFC side of it. And this is, this is obviously the NFC Packers and Bucks, but it's a very uh, similar stylistic matchup in terms of very good run team trying to get their run game going against a very great run defense. Uh, Last week we saw the bears basically just not even want to try. Like I think Montgomery ended up with 10 carries for 22 yards. So we, we understand that, but I think Matt LaFleur will try. And I think he thinks he can run the ball against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. So that's something that's huge because what happens to this green Bay offense? If they can't run the ball, and I know Aaron Rodgers is having one of the greatest years of his career so far, and that's a huge statement in and of itself. But honestly, what happens to this offense if they let's say are down, you know, 10 to 3 in the second or third quarter or whatever? Whatever, you, you get the point. And they can't run. And now you've got this insanely good Buccaneers pass rush teeing off on you. This is the pass rush that generates the fifth most pressures in the NFL at 27.2% of dropbacks and the fourth most sacks in the NFL. So that's the question to me is what happens if, the, cause I think that we all know Brady and Rogers are both going to score to some level, right? But, um, what happens to this dynamic, definitely the best offense in the NFL so far, what happens to the Green Bay Packers offense if they can't run the ball and then they find themselves down by, you know, seven to 10 points in the second half of this ball game? So that's what I'm looking at. And I think that Tom Brady is going to be able to make plays against this Packers defense. He should be getting Chris Godwin back. Scotty Miller should be back to 100 percent. Mike Evans should be back playing or is playing again. And uh, yeah, I just think that the Buccaneers are a very, very bad matchup for this Packers team. And I think, you know, I went and pissed Tom Brady off. So that's just a double no no. So I'm taking the Bucks 30 to 26. That's over and a Bucks to cover because they went out right. All right. Last game of the Sunday slate will be the Rams at the 49ers. The Rams are uh, three and a half point favorites over under. And this one's 51 and a half. So that's kind of high, just, you know, off the top of my head. Um, but I always think everything's high on over/under. So, and clearly, I've been wrong a lot of that uh, times, especially earlier in the season. It's starting to change now. If you've noticed the last two weeks or so, um, the unders have been coming in hot because now the league and just Vegas odds have adjusted and started making the overs really high, and now we're seeing a lot more unders. So, and that makes a lot of sense. Defenses are starting to catch up a little bit to to game shape and being able to actually practice and things like that helps. So. That's kind of why on that on that front of it. But um the Rams are, in my opinion, the best team that no one's talking about. And and they're also, and this is something I really value, they're probably the most balanced team in the NFL right now. Like talk about a team that runs the ball at a very high level and is committed to the running game. And and also if they get down 28 to 3 and they need to pass a little bit more, which they ironically kept running in that game, but if they do they have a quarterback that that can most definitely pass his way back into the ball game. So from from that standpoint, this um Rams team is just very balanced. And when you look at what they can do on the defensive side of the ball, they are a very balanced defense as well. Like they're solid against the, uh, the I mean they're just they just do everything right. Like they're tied for first in sacks in the NFL with 20 and they're 12th in pressures at 23.7% of the time and that's going up against a San Francisco offensive line that let's just look at Nick Mullins and Jimmy Garoppolo have been pressured a league high combined 36% of dropbacks. Let me let me say that one more time. 36% of their dropbacks, which is the most of any quarterback in the NFL, any starter that uh, they're being pressured that much, right? And they're being pressured that much going into a game against the Rams where the Rams are first tied for first in sacks at 20, and they're 12th in pressures. Look, San Francisco will probably be able to run. I mean, the Rams allow 4-7 a carry. Uh, They will probably be able to run the ball, and I think that's a very wise move. But to me, it just honestly comes down to if, if the 49ers, for whatever reason, can't run the ball effectively, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever the quarterback is, is going to be on his back an awful lot. I mean, you saw the Miami Dolphins last week all over their asses uh, with that pass rush. So for whatever reason, this San Francisco offensive line is just not good. And when you flip it over to what's Jared Goff been like under pressure? Well, he's being pressured the eighth fewest of any quarterback at 17.6%. Um it is interesting though because San Francisco gets the third most pressures um and they are as we know regardless of how many injuries they have they're a damn good defense. So um look, I really believe this game more so than most games comes down to the fact that can the 49ers run the football? And if they uh, and uh, it, and also can the Rams run the football? If the Rams can run the football against this 49ers defense, it's a very good run defense. They allow less than 40 yards to carry on the ground. Then I just think it'll be a pretty dominant effort. Not, not dominant in the sense they're going to blow them out, but it will be a they'll be in slight control for basically from start to finish. And that's what I see happening. I see the Rams winning this game 24 to 20. That would be a Rams cover. And once again, the under. So that's just how I see this week's games, guys. Um, I will be answering all of the start sits on a uh, on a podcast either later tonight or first thing in the morning. It'll probably be out before you guys wake up. So somewhere around there, look out for the start sits. And then also for anybody that comments their start sit ugh, their start sit questions later, I will be going back through and answering all of the questions on that post as well. So. Um, I got you. But anyways, I appreciate you guys for listening and I will see you tomorrow.